Hello, and welcome to episode 105 of Outnumbered the Podcast. Today, we're going to give you all the information you need to help your children learn how to read and become avid lovers of reading. We're going to go through the seven different types of learners and show you how to teach a kid of each kind how to read. We'll also share resources that we've used and that have helped us when we have a child that's more reluctant to learn how to read. Hello and welcome to Outnumber the Podcast. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Audrey. We're experienced moms to a combined total of 18 children. Our mission is to help overwhelmed parents find peace in parenting and humor in the chaos. Come join us as we attempt uninterrupted conversation about parenting with joy and intention. Hello and welcome back. We are excited to share with you all of our best information about helping kids learn how to read in this episode. And like our episode that we did previously on helping kids with math, we've got tons of good information for you to help you figure out your kids' learning style and so that you can use the most effective information to help them learn how to read. Yeah, totally. And I think this is especially helpful for people who um, want to get a jump on reading before they send their kids to school or who who will be homeschooling because I think it's one of the biggest concerns for parents who homeschool or are putting their kids in a little bit later is, oh, I don't know how to teach kids to read. But there is so much that kids do on their own and so many helpful tips in this episode. So hopefully you guys love it. Um, We did think it was funny along the reading uh, line of things to share some funny words that we ourselves or our children have mispronounced because they're really um, great readers, but talk at a lower level (laughs) than they read, if that makes sense. (laughs) Uh, And I have a a close group of friends from college who laugh at me all the time because this is kind of what I've known, what I'm known for, (laughs) saying words wrong. (laughs) And I think, I want to say I even shared this on a previous episode, but awry is one that messed me up for like 30 years (laughs) until I was like, okay, listen, dummy write it down. I used to say Ari or some, I don't know, some other weird thing. Um, I just didn't, I just didn't use it very often. And so when I see, when I hear my kids doing something similar, I'm like super gentle and sweet to them because I don't, I don't want them to like, you know, dumb down their vocabulary because they're not quite sure how to, how to pronounce it. I know, but I always giggle a little bit. I like I can't stop when my when my kids will use a really big word because it's so cute that they're trying to use a big word that they've read and they know what it means and they're using it in the correct context. It's just the pronunciation is wrong. It just tickles my funny bone. I know it's so cute. Even my fifteen year old said something the other day, and I was like, mm, no, <laughs> it was so cute. The other one that still gives me fits is Adirondack. Is that how you say it? Adirondack, uh, right? Sure. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? They're like mountains in the east and, yes. and also like those special kind of chairs, you know? Chairs. And yeah. I yeah. said it to one of my friends who lived back east and she was like, that is not how you say it. <laughs> so that might not even be right. Maybe we'll never know. <sighs> but just, you know, if you can laugh at yourself, maybe you can teach your kids to laugh at themselves too. And I think it's I think it's a great um, sign of intelligence, right? That they're reading way ahead of any vocabulary that they've actually heard in person. It's just, you know, just a little bit of a learning curve to figure out how to pronounce that stuff. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, definitely. Like some of these words that they read, they like just a normal conversation. They they wouldn't hear them pronounced, though, right. unless they're listening to an audiobook or something of it. They're, it 
how would they know how to pronounce it? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to dive again into the seven different types of learners. We're going to help explain each one and like our experience with one and way to help with each one and ways to help kids with this kind of learning style, how to help them read. So this is going to be a little bit like our episode that we did on math, except all these tips and all these styles are going to be applied toward reading and and a little spelling too, because kind of the two go hand in hand. Right, for sure. And just like what we talked about with math, if something is not working with your child, don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to try something totally different. Most of us were raised um, to learn how to read in very similar ways, broken down in, you know, by phonics. And and if your kid just doesn't learn that specific way, it's going to be a nonstop struggle unless you find something else. So we got lot we got lots of tips for different things to try. Yeah, that's probably like our best advice for the whole episode, isn't it? Right, right, yeah. (laughs) Try something different. Okay, so we're going to start off with auditory and musical learners. So these kids are good listeners, um, and they learn through sound and music and talking and lectures, that kind of learning. Yeah. Um, and one way to help, well, a couple ways to help these auditory or musical learners is by saying and reading out loud, right? So generally that's what you do with beginning readers anyway. You don't usually encourage them to try to read in their head because you don't know if they're doing it right or not. So that's a helpful aspect um, for these kinds of kids. But rhyming books and stories are really helpful as well because they have kind of a musical cadence to them. And so the kids pick things up a little bit quicker. And I think rhyming just helps all kids. So that's always a good a good tip there. <laughs> you can use word families that rhyme by um, giving your kid a couple of words to start with. Bat, rat, sat, and then let them come up with a few. Um, and then also eliminating or at least limiting auditory distractions for them. So don't play music or try to eliminate the noise around while they're working on reading because they really need to use that, uh, you know, that auditory sense to pick up what you're trying to teach them. And, And also repetition. Sometimes they just need to hear it over and over and over and over again. Yeah, that is so true. I know that for me to learn a new word, like how to pronounce it right, I have to hear it multiple times. So I probably have a little bit of this auditory musical learner mm-hmm. sense in me. And and just like we said in the math episode, your kid might not be only solely one of these types. There might be, you know, some auditory and some visual or, you know, they might have a couple that they go in. Okay, so how to help um, these kids some resources to help auditory and musical learners help them read. So reluctant readers really love those word families that rhyme. So you get books that rhyme, you read them poetry, you even read them songs that are in the form of books. Sometimes you can find those kind of books and they just love and eat up that kind of thing. I have one kid who kind of has a tendency to learn this way. And um, I wouldn't say it's his strongest one, but he definitely is way more willing to read lists of words that rhyme or have the same, you know, the same family or the same letters in them, then, you know, if he, if I give him a list of 10 words and they rhyme, he'll read those no problem. Like, Ooh, that's kind of fun. But if I give him just a list of 10 random words to read, he's like, yeah, no, not happening. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. One thing that is super helpful for these kids is audiobooks. And we love audiobooks. And you can have them listening to books that are way advanced above where they can read um, by 
using audiobooks. And this also builds like their vocabulary because they hear those words over and over again. And they're going to, and they're going to actually pronounce them, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you have these kids, um, if you record these kids when they are reading and then they listen to themselves, that actual listening to their own voice reading helps improve their skills. Like, for example, they'll say, hey, you know what? I'm really kind of jerky when I read and they'll kind of try to smooth it out or they'll pick up things just by listening to themselves read. So if, if they don't know they're being recorded and then you play it back to them later or they can even get to a point where they where they want to be a better reader. Um, reading out loud is a skill I like my kids to have. Uh, and so sometimes we record them reading out loud so they can hear themselves what it actually sounds like. One little tip for helping these kids become better spellers. I know one of my uh, one of my older daughters who is um, has a pretty strong in this auditory musical learner. Um, she was a horrific speller. I think I've told this story before on the podcast. <laughs> like she could not spell anything on paper. And so for one one for some reason one day I asked her to spell she said how do you spell, you know, something? Because she'd gotten to the point where she knew she was a horrible speller and she couldn't spell anything. So I said, for some reason, I just randomly said to her, well, how do you think it's spelled? And she thought about it and she spelled it out loud and she spelled it perfectly. And I was like, yep, that's right. So then we figured out any word that she spelled aloud when she could hear herself spelling it, she would spell that word correctly. But if she just wrote it down on paper, it would be spelled wrong every single time. This, the same words. It was really weird. But that's anyway, so just a little tip there. Yeah. So she would be one that would excel at a spelling bee, but not necessarily a spelling test. Oh, very interesting. I know. It was total. Yeah, it was total, totally 100%. Like it was a shame she wasn't in public school or have access to a spelling bee because yeah, she would have she she taken, you know. Yeah, she would have gone to nationals or whatever. <laughs> I love that tip about recording the reader. I haven't tried that yet. And I have one kiddo that <clears throat> has struggled for a while and is doing some tutoring. But I think that she, her problem is she often gets kind of lazy towards the end of a book or kind of sloppy and she just wants to finish the story. And so she'll start rushing and she's messing up all kinds of really easy words that I know she knows. So I wonder if we tried that, if she'd be a little bit more aware of the fact that she's not reading clearly or she's, you know, rushing through the more complicated words. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, reading aloud is kind of, if you first do it with kids, especially kids that are a little bit older and aren't just struggling to learn how to read, it's kind of, they can be kind of self-conscious about it if they've never done it before. It's kind Mm -hmm, of a skill mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. comes with practice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So moving on to the second type of learner, and that's the visual and spatial learner. And this is most definitely me. And so I've learned lots of things about how to teach a kid like this, because this is totally how I learn. Um, they, they, we learn by observing through pictures, diagrams. It's funny because I, did I share this when we talked about math? I think I did that. Uh, some friends of mine and I were talking about how we think and somebody oh, yeah. said, do you think in words or pictures? And almost all my friends said words. And I thought, no, I almost always think in pictures. Um, So it's just funny how different brains work. Um, And to give your your kid the benefit of the doubt by by showing him the things that he needs to see, you know, if he's one of these spatial learners. Yeah, I'd like to see inside your brain. That'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, So how to help visual and spatial learners with reading. Um, It's helpful, actually, for these kids to learn how to write at the same time as they learn how to read. Now, some kids 
can't do the both at the same time. It, like you've got to learn one and then the other comes later. I have some readers like that, like it's just too much to learn how to read and work on writing at the same time. But these kids actually, it's very helpful for them to see and write the letters themselves so they can see it. Um, using different colors, again, like in math, this is a very helpful for, for these visual spatial learners. So like if you have a dry erase board with lots of different colors, um, if you write the vowels in blue and the consonants in red, that's a really helpful mm. thing for them. Sure. A chalkboard, you know, same thing, different colors of chalk. And then these guys need books with pictures. Like there was this one program, reading program that we tried one time and um, it you you weren't supposed to show them the picture until after they'd read it. And my visual spatial learner child that I was trying to use this method with, she's like, nope, I'd just rather die than try to read words without seeing the picture. Too. <laughs> what is the point? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I have lots of experience with this because this is definitely my strong suit in learning is the visual stuff. Um, and in particular, I remember when I was trying to learn Russian, I went uh, to Russia as a missionary. But before I left, I had a, a kind of a three month intensive language program to try to learn as much Russian as I could. And um, because Russian is written in a Cyrillic alphabet, not the same as ours, I... Um, and I had learned the alphabet ahead of time, but they would not write words down for us. For the first week or two, they just said words and made us parrot them. And it was literally the mm. worst two weeks of my life. I was mm. dying. I couldn't grasp anything. I just said, please show me how to write them. Please show me how to write them. They're like, no, it'll confuse you. I'm like, actually, I know the alphabet. So please just show me the dang word. It's <laughs> killing me. So I finally just started writing mm. them down. Um in, you know, Latin letters, like just transcribing them as if I were writing English. And it helped so much. And by the time they finally wrote them down, I was like, yes, I can learn this language because that is just <laughs> not the way my brain works. But I guess for most people, um, it helps to hear it and parrot it before they have to worry about how it's spelled because it looks so messed up, you know? <laughs> so anyway, that was, yeah, I learned my lesson there. Don't try to do things auditorily. It doesn't work for me. Uh, a few other um resources that you can use with these kinds of kiddos are uh, copy work. These kids like to copy stuff down so they can see it, especially if it's um, like spelling, if it includes a lot of spelling words that they need to learn, et cetera. Dictation. This also happened to me. I, I went to school when I lived in Mexico as a kid and they would dictate to us, which was kind of like gibberish to me. But as soon as I got it down on the paper, I'm like, oh, that's what they're saying. You know, yeah. um, reading together, pointing out the words. Obviously, this is generally how you teach your child to word to read anyway, but anything that can get their eyeballs involved. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Those are great tips from our visual spatial learner of the podcast. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to number three, a verbal linguistic learner. Okay. These guys are just like natural readers. This is, this is the reader type of learner. Yeah. <laughs> so they're intellectual, they're intellectual, they're bookworms, they're good storytellers, they have big vocabularies. And interestingly, they actually learn another language easily. In the phonics versus whole language debate, this used to be bigger that um, the whole language was that kids can learn to read just kind of like absorbing whole words and the whole sentences at a time. Mm -hmm. And then the phonics is obviously they need to learn the letters and the sounds of the letters and the building blocks. So um, a whole language pretty much isn't taught anywhere anymore because it was such a spectacular failure. <laughs> but this kind of reader, these kind of kids actually can learn to read through whole language because language comes so naturally to them. So they can kind of just absorb the 
the way that words look and they can see the whole word and memorize that this whole word means, you know, talk, for example, the shape and all that. So, so there, I guess maybe that's why whole language was a thing because there were some people that it did actually work for. Yeah. You know, interestingly enough, I did work, I did do some phonics work with my two oldest boys. But uh, when Juliet, my third came along, she is very much like this. She just picks things up so quickly and was a very early reader and just, she couldn't help but read a word when she saw it. Um, And so then my twins came along and one of my twins has some pretty serious delays and she could not pick things up. And I was like all of a sudden scrambling to like really learn my phonics stuff because I had never had to teach a child at that level, like really Mm -hmm. breaking stuff down. And when we finally got her outside help, because I, I still wasn't making much progress with her. I mean, they were breaking it down in order to get her to understand, to have like basic phonemic awareness. They stripped all letters away and were basically just using like colored blocks to teach her Hmm. sound segments. Like this is K, this is A. What is this red and this blue tile together? K, A, K, A, you know, because she couldn't even handle the letters. So anyway, Mm -hmm. really, really fascinating when when you have to break it down that detail for some kids, it really helps to know, to have some skills like that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so a few things we can do to help these verbal uh, linguistic learners um, is that they may prefer um, talking, uh, inner storytelling. They may be the the kind that just go on and on about things. That's my Juliet for sure. She tells you (laughs) everything in detail and will just go on and on and on. She just loves to talk. Um, If there are reading lessons, they can read the lessons aloud. They can make up their own stories and write them down if if that helps. They're good at memorizing quotes, poetry, etc. Language is just their their vehicle for, for learning. Yes, I definitely have one of these. Um, my first, and she was, I thought she was such a genius and I was such a amazing parent because <laughs> I got this book, like, you know, with your first, you have all your time to devote to them. It's all one-on-one because it's all the time that they're the only one. And so I got this book called um, Teach Your Baby to Read. And mm-hmm. it was a whole language thing where you show them a whole word and you tell them what the word means. Mm-hmm. And then you play little games with them. And and like, she just knew it. Like every word I showed her, I would tell it to her like once and she knew it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, wow, she's a genius and I'm such a great mom. And then <laughs> now it was just her learning style. <laughs> um, oh, these kids are really fun to do reading with because they get it so fast and like there's not much frustration involved. Um, word games are really fun. One of our favorites is Quiddlers. So each it's a, it's like a card game and each card, the cards have like a letter or a word pair, you know, like a, I mean, a letter pair, like a diphthong, like a CH on it or something. And so you make words and you first you do three letter words and then four letter words and then five letter words. Um, Bananagrams, that's the one where it's like Scrabble type letters, but you just draw and you make words from the ones you have. Yes, we love that Scrabble. one. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Scrabble, words, finds, crosswords, anything to do with letters and and verbal. And they just, they just love that. They just eat it up. So these are kind of the fun kids. Like with math, the next one was really kind of the fun part to teach them how to read. Well, this is to teach how to read. It's just more kind of like playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so moving on to the fourth type of learner, and that's the logical or mathematical learner. Um, so obviously, this made a lot of sense to those, you know, in our math episode. Like they're just the ones that are kind of like the linguistic learners for for reading. Um, but these people 
and kids like um, reasoning. They like num- when numbers are involved. They like complex problem solving. So this one might be a little bit more difficult in figuring out how to apply to reading. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, so how to help these guys with reading because it's not numbers. Um, they like to see words classified together. So like, for example, um, if you work on words that all have the quiet E at the end that make the vowel sound. So you work on work on them together. Um, so put things in, in groups or classifications. They, they like to learn the spelling and reading rules. So they like to know why something is pronounced the way it's pronounced. So if you can help them with some grammar, spelling, reading rules, they, that kind of helps them out to be able to categorize it in their mind. And then also another thing that helps these kids is like timelines or goals. So um, if you give them a book and you say, okay, this book has three chapters and we're going to read four pages every day. And that's our goal, you know, or whatever, two sentences, whatever. But if you set up like a little outline for them, that really helps them to know that there's going to be, you know, expect what's coming. There's going to be an end to today's reading. We're not just going to read this book that goes on forever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And for resources for these kinds of kids, they might actually be more predisposed to like some sort of a textbook than like, um, you know, real life experience. Most of us just learn to read or teach our kids to read by sitting down and looking at books, but they might actually prefer a logical, um, uh, program or step-by-step guide. Um, and like you said, uh, they like rules. So you might consider listing rules or having them take notes, right? Especially if it's an older, uh, kid learning to read, um, talk about exceptions. Basically English is like the worst (laughs) because it's not logical at all. Um, but it can help them to try to find some logic within the chaos that is our language. (laughs) Yeah. I have one kid that is so heavily logical, mathematical, that reading is just a huge trial to him. And so I had to kind of almost play with him a little bit to get him out of this, just kind of upset his little logic boat a little bit. So this one little game I played with him was that he had the word the memorized. So that was a word when he got to it, he could say the word the. So, and it was very logical and it was like, okay, yes, here's a word I know. So what I did was, um, and we also had little word flashcards. That was one of his sight words he was supposed to memorize. So one day I decided to say when he said, oh yeah, you know, like, oh, here's a word I know. He says the, and I said, no, actually this word is pickle. (laughs) (laughs) And so every time we got to that word for like weeks, I, instead as we were reading, or if I was reading him a book, instead of the, I would say pickle for, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and at first he was so frustrated, but then it got to be like a little game with him and it kind of just helped, helped him Somehow it helped him build confidence. I don't know. It sounds like I'm being a torturous, mean parent, but he did. <laughs> but he did really kind of enjoy this, you know, wink, wink, mom. Yeah, that's the word pickle. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of just pulled him out of this logical state of brain that he was like, it was almost like a rut he was in. And so me playing this little game during reading kind of helped him a little bit to just, I don't know, lighten up a little bit and and realize that he could be confident in what he knew. And mom could just still kind of, you know, elbow him a little bit whenever we get to the word the and you say pickle. That's funny. I think that some of our most logical kids sometimes just need to be kind of nudged out of that rut of 
being very exacting and maybe that can let yeah. them get over some of their hangups of not being perfect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I was doing was like, you know, I don't know if logic, logical mathematical learners tend to be perfectionists, but this kid was definitely needing a little bit yeah. of lightness yeah. away from that seriousness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Now we're going to move on to physical and kinesthetic learners. So these guys are hands-on. They've got to touch it. Um, they might drink drum their fingers or wiggle their legs. They're action oriented. Um, and reading and writing is definitely not a priority for them. Yeah. Mainly because they have to sit still to do it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I have some kids that are so physically kinesthetic, such physical kinesthetic learners that I have to say to them, you know, your brain is spending so much effort wiggling your legs that your eyes can't possibly, mm-hmm. it can't divert any attention to your eyes to hold still and <laughs> do mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. read this word. Yeah, you have to make sure you have a material that they really enjoy too. Otherwise, they cannot be pulled away from their you know, wrestling with their brother to (laughs) come read something. Yeah. Um, So a few helps for these kids are to give them um, like uh, magnetic letters or other manipulatives where they can move stuff around. My kids love those magnet letters on the fridge. And that seems more like play than learning to them. You know, Um, they can use their bodies to make letter shapes. That's always really fun. Encourage movement as much as possible. Like just sitting on an exercise ball. Now, sometimes that's a little bit harder with the reading because I actually have to track the word. But as much as you can, give them a chance to move while they're learning Um, and then get rid of any distractions like clutter on their desk or if you can eliminate siblings coming in and wanting to play so that they can focus. Yeah, my kids, I have a couple that really and especially I think we talked about um, like in our, when we were talking about math too, how my boys seem to go through this phase first mm-hmm. before they move on to another kind of learner. Like all my boys seem to be pretty physical kinesthetic when they're learning to read mm-hmm. if they're, you know, at a young age. And so those manipulatives encounters, they really like letter blocks and puzzles, alphabet magnets, you know, they really like all, you know, making their shape, their bodies into the shape or their hands or something we do is we're learning sign language. So they learn, you know, the sign language alphabet. And if they're having trouble with a word, then we can say, okay, let's spell that, you know, in sign language. And that kind of you touches a little bit of that physical kinesthetic part of their brain and they can kind of learn how to read that way too. Um, something for a little bit older kids, if they're uh, struggling with a story, you can have them reenact the story after they read it or do a play or um, something that they they can just kind of get their body and, and movement involved. And this really helps them kind of learn to read and process those things that they have been reading. Yeah. And one thing I forgot to mention is um, tracing like on sandpaper or, um, you know, in a sandbox or whatever, you know, any, any sort of uh, gritty substance that will help their finger to track as they're like uh, spelling out letters, et cetera, anything to connect that finger or body and mind thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. So the next type of learner we have is the social and interpersonal learner. So this is the extrovert, the one who's a good communicator, sensitive to other people's needs, et cetera. So how to help these social and interpersonal group learners, it helps them to work in great groups to read with other kids. I read a page, you read a page, or, you know, I read a word, you read a word. Uh, they need a comfortable environment. They need some somewhere that they're comfortable with. 
to be comfortable enough to relax and read that kind of thing. Um, and they, yeah, but working with other people is really helpful for them. Yeah. A couple of, uh, uh resources, uh, or ideas for these kids are to read to others. So if they're older, they can practice reading with their younger kids. The younger kids can read to the older kids. Um, they can write their own stories, poems and share them, perform them for others. They love that. Um, you know, they might not be as motivated to like memorize a poem as maybe like the, the, um, the verbal linguistic learner, but they would love to perform it and love to, to share it with those around them. Yeah, these last two types, the social interpersonal and then the next one we're going to go on to the solitary intrapersonal learners, they're usually mixed with one of these other ones. So the next kind we're going on to the next time type of learner is a solitary intrapersonal learner and they're independent and they're introspective and they're very private. They don't like to read aloud because they might say the word wrong and then have to be corrected. That's that's kind of this this type of learner. Yeah, yeah. Um, some help for these uh, solitary kids are they need quiet places to work um, and not be forced to share and collaborate. So I really feel with this kind of person. <laughs> I was the kind of person where they would like assign a group project and I would go, no, anything but a group project. <laughs> Maybe I'm just antisocial. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I just... I've had so much more confidence in working by myself um, because there is an added aspect to when working with someone else, there is the work aspect and then there's the collaboration aspect. So it's, it's a little bit more, I mean, it's great for the people who like those social interpersonal people, but not so much for those that, that prefer to focus alone. Yeah, that was definitely my least favorite thing in college when we had to work with someone else. I just like I didn't I not only disliked working with people, but I felt like responsible for helping them get a good grade and not just, you know, like my grade was being affected by them. And anyway, whatever. Right. And if you got, and if you got somebody that wasn't very good or like didn't want to put forth the effort, then you were going to get penalized for it as well. So annoying. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're obviously both solitary. <laughs> uh, okay. So I have some experience. One of my kids was um, definitely a solitary interpersonal um, learner and combined with a pretty strong physical kinesthetic way of learning. And this kid did not like to read aloud with me to learn how to read. Like he would do his lessons, but then he would take his book or a book or the lesson that we just read and he would go out on the hammock and he would swing and swing and swing on the hammock and go through that lesson himself. Like it was the motion and it was the privacy and him being in a you know his comfortable space, and then he could like, he learned how to read that way. Oh, it was so so funny. That's really fun. It's really fun. Okay, so to wrap up, we're going to share a couple reading programs and resources that we've used and really loved. I have to admit, those first three kids, I really did not do anything out of the ordinary. We read some easy readers. I broke some words down for them, and they picked it up pretty quickly. Um, but since then, I've had a handful of kids who have not picked things up quite so readily. And maybe it's because I have less time to work one-on-one -on -one with each one of them. Um, so I've had to do a little bit more diving and trying out of actual reading programs. Um, so what we are using right now with my three youngest, well, I guess they're not the youngest, youngest, but the three youngest that are learning to read is sing, called Sing, Spell, Read, and Write. Have you heard of that one, Audrey? 
No, we haven't. It's really fun. And I think that it covers quite a variety of learning styles. A friend of mine recommended it to me. So um, it, it has something like 28 different lessons. You're supposed to do it w- about one a day. Um, and there, there's a CD that goes along with it. There's, um, you know, this fun little racetrack that the kids go around with each lesson. There are fun little, and, and just a couple of songs that we've done so far, cause we're not very far into it, but, uh, even the big kids have picked up on and, you know, are singing ad nauseum, <laughs> but it, it seems to help, you know, it's, it's, um, there's an auditory aspect. There's a visual aspect. There's a, uh, interpersonal aspect. So anyway, that that's been really helpful. Other than that, the only other thing we've really, really used a lot of are, are those Bob books, those beginning readers. Um, I got a set of them at Costco probably 12 years ago and are still going strong, even though my kids have colored in every single one of them. Because <laughs> most of them don't have any coloring, you know, it's just like black and white sketches. And I'm like, you know, that's going to be a coloring book, but whatever. Um, so, uh, yeah, those two resources have been our favorites. Yeah, we have two resources that we've used pretty successfully. The first one that I used with my kids was Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons. And it's very successful. It is a um, a very, um, yeah, it it's teaches them how to read. Um, we stopped using this one for two reasons. One is I just couldn't stand to go through the book again. <laughs> you were done. <laughs> I did it with my first three and I was like, uh, no, I just can't do that again. That's not happening. <laughs> and the other thing that I disliked about this method was that um, while three of my kids learned how to read on it, I kind of felt like at first, it's kind of a little bit like a code. Um, they have some special letter shapes that they use. And my children couldn't easily take this into, say, a library and pick up any book and read it because the letters looked different. There was kind of this code that they were using to learn how to read. So that was kind of a concern of mine. But hey, my three oldest learned to read using it and they're very voracious readers. So then I switched to the Ordinary Parent's Guide to Teaching Reading um, through the Well-Trained Mind company that I love. I use most of their stuff. And it's... Um, yeah, it's an amazing way to l- learn how to read. Um, it uses a lot of these different methods. And I haven't grown tired of it yet. I've now taught, let's see, four, five, six, four of my kids <laughs> to read using this book. And I'm not tired of it yet. So um, it's it's a pretty good one. So those are the main two methods that we have used on on learning how to read. And we just sit down and have a special reading time during our, our morning time with those who are learning how to read. And that's the way we do it. Yeah. And, and my last note would be to, to not give up and think that there's something wrong with you or your kid if one of these um, methods doesn't work. Like we both mentioned, we've tried multiple different ones, either because we get tired of it or the kid doesn't work for the kids. And also don't be afraid to seek outside help if necessary. Like I mentioned, I've got a kiddo that I just could not make progress with, or we would take... Um, or we would take a one step forward, two steps back kind of a thing. And it was so maddening. And yet I knew that she could do it. She just needed help that I couldn't give her. So just keep looking, keep, keep working with them and trying new things and, and you'll figure it out. Okay. That is my exact final advice too. I have had a couple of kids, um, where I actually will turn the turn the book back a few chapters and just go through some of the material they already know because they're just not ready to move on. And I just wanted to say that if your kid's not ready to learn how to read or they're just not progressing, just drop it for a few months and try it again. And when they're ready, it will be so much easier and so much less of a struggle for both of you 
so many fewer tears. And the things that they'll be doing instead, like playing outside (laughs) or playing with their siblings or whatever else they're doing, you know, as long as you're reading to them or they're listening to audiobooks, their education isn't suffering just because they're not ready to read. And I think that's one of my favorite things about um, homeschooling is that they don't have to keep up with the other kids in a class or their same age, because if they're not ready to read yet, then we just drop it and we go on to something else and they learn other things and, and do other things. And then when we come back to it, they're so much more receptive if they're ready that, um, it, it goes so much smoother. And, and to me, that is way more worth it than having them able to read, but hating it because mom forced it on them too early. Oh yeah, exactly. I, I could have said that myself as well. My oldest, I, you know, I was there trying to get him to read as early as three <laughs> and he was just not ready. And so much of it is developmental. And so if your kid's not ready, let it go. It's not gonna, it's not gonna matter. I've had a kid learn to read as early as four and other ones learn to read as late as almost nine. So everything is normal within your kid's development, right? And don't, don't ruin the experience by forcing it on a kid that's not ready or that's really, really resistant. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I have about exactly the same age range of when they learned how to read. And both the earliest l- reader and the latest reader are both voracious readers now yeah. in their teens. And so it made no difference when they started because they, they both read and they both love reading because I was able not to ruin it for them by, you know, fighting through it. Exactly. Probably the only guarantee you'll have by forcing a kid to read is that they will hate to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. So true. All right. One additional resource. We're going to go ahead and link all the stuff that we talked about in the show notes, but one additional um, resource that we wanted to mention and we'll have linked in our show notes is um, our former guest Jansen of Everyday Reading. She has an amazing blog all about books, all about reading, and her email list is really worth subscribing to because she sends out emails about, okay, here's the seven best animal books for kids that are interested in animals. Or, you know, here's my favorite um, holiday books for 2020 or, you know, whatever. Uh, Every email of hers that I get, I'm like, hey, I need to look at that blog post to see (laughs) what that was about. It's really worth my time. And then, you know, before I go to the library, I definitely check out some of her lists because then I don't bring home books I hate to read to my kids. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We'll also link to a reading, um, kind of like a tutoring program that she started recently. Um, that looks really, really awesome, uh, called savvy reading that she offers for p- kids who are struggling to read or just need more experience. It's kind of a, they have group options and one-on-one options that are a really good uh, resource for kids that need extra help. Thanks so much for tuning in. Did you know you can help the podcast in several ways? First up, we're on Patreon. And there are three different levels to support us there. Just head to patreon.com slash outnumbered. Next up, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a written review on iTunes. It helps other parents find the podcast and receive the help you're enjoying. And finally, you can follow us on Instagram at outnumbered the podcast. We're always having fun over there too. As usual, if you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, you can reach us at outnumberedthepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. And because Russian is written in a Cyrillic alphabet, so it's not our Latin. Is it Latin or Roman? What do they call? <laughs> that goes our alphabet. Okay, so pause. That's one of those words I didn't know how to pronounce. I thought it was acrylic. Oh yeah, Cyrillic. <laughs> Cyrillic. <laughs> Sorry. So, oh, she just killed on herself. <laughs>
what the heck is our alphabet? Like, you know, the paint, right? Acrylic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> what the heck is our alphabet? Latin? Yeah. Latin. Okay. Let's start that over. <laughs> <laughs> 